You're listening to a sermon originally recorded by Schweitzer United Methodist Church in Springfield, Missouri. Check us out online at sumc.co. And if this sermon blessed you, be sure to share it with someone else. Thank you so much for listening. Now, on to the message. Oh, what joy for those whose disobedience is forgiven, whose sin is put out of sight. Yes, what joy for those whose record the Lord has cleared of guilt, whose lives are lived in complete honesty. When I refused to confess my sin, my body wasted away, and I groaned all day long. Day and night, your hand of discipline was heavy on me. My strength evaporated like water in the summer heat. Finally, I confessed all my sins to you, and I stopped trying to hide my guilt. I said to myself, I will confess my rebellion to the Lord, and you forgave me. All my guilt is gone. Therefore, let all the godly pray to you while there is still time, that they may not drown in the floodwaters of judgment. For you are my hiding place. You protect me from trouble. You surround me with songs of victory. The Lord says, I will guide you along the best pathway for your life. I will advise you and watch over you. Do not be like a senseless horse or mule that needs a bit and bridle to keep it under control. Many sorrows come to the wicked, but unfailing love surrounds those who trust the Lord. So rejoice in the Lord and be glad, all you who obey Him. Shout for joy, all you whose hearts are pure. Good morning. I forgot to turn my mic on. Sorry. My name is Jake. I'm an associate pastor here at Schweitzer. And I have a question for you. How many of you, uh, especially if you are our regular attenders or members here at Schweitzer, how many of you have the Schweitzer app on your phone? Show of hands. Good. That's awesome. About half, maybe a little more than half. I want to ask the others of you to get it. Here's especially why. Because we are in the middle of the Psalms Greatest Hits series. And that music that we just kind of like heard in, in the background of that psalm being read is music that has been created and produced by our creative team uh, here. A lot of the people you've seen on stage and, and many more have created music that goes along with the psalms that we are, are reading and studying uh, each week. And this is Guys, this is an incredible opportunity um, to hear the work that our, our creative community is, is making, but also for you to internalize the Psalms, right? For you to um, hear them in a different light, in more of a modern context, and to make them your own prayers. Um, I was talking with, uh, with KJ, who's our, our lead worship guy, uh, a couple weeks ago, and he said he loves the Psalms because um, every Psalm is a new, uh, the Psalms give us language to enter into conversation with God, and so every Psalm is a new conversation. Um, or potential conversation we could have with God. Every psalm is, is ten new potential conversations we could have with God. Um, and we shouldn't just read them once. We should internalize them and learn to deepen our prayer lives through this just rich body of text that, that Christians um, and, well, any, anyone who worships Yahweh has used for thousands of years. So, that being said, I want to talk today about the conversation that I had with God the first time I remember reading Psalm 32. Now, let me tell you um, where I was when I read this for the first time. 
I was in this season um, of the spiritual life where it felt like um, I was trying to obey God. I sincerely wanted to do my best to follow God, uh, but I couldn't. I, I kept falling back into the same old sins. I sincerely was on my knees this day praying to God, God, please just take over. I give you control. I, I clearly uh, keep falling back into my old ways. I clearly don't have the power to overcome these things that I want to, both big and small. And so, God, I just surrender to you. Slap on the reins, right? Get up in my face, yell at me, drag me along. Do what you got to. But, God, I give you control. Do what you will to change me. Make me obey your will. So I was just in this total mode of surrender, And I read verse 8 of Psalm 32, and it says this, I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will counsel you with my eye upon you. Be not like a horse or a mule. No, sorry. I will counsel you with my eye upon you. I stopped there. God's telling me, I will instruct you. I will teach you in the way you should go. I will counsel you with my eye upon you. And again, I'm on my knees and I'm saying, God, your instruction isn't enough. Your teaching isn't enough. Your counsel isn't enough. I need more. I need you to take control. And I'm writing this down in my journal. I looked at my entry. This, this is two years ago. I looked at my journal entry this last week, and it was just, it was fun to read again. And I'm writing furiously in my journal this prayer to God. Um, and, then, and then I stopped my journal entry with my little swivel that I usually do, and uh, feeling like I accomplished something in this prayer. And then I went to read verse 9. Be not like a horse or a mule without understanding which must be curbed with a bit and bridle, or it will not stay near you. And it was in that moment, I laughed out loud, because God said to me very clearly, Jacob, stop being an ass. (laughs) Profound, huh? Comforting, not. Don't be a a stupid, stubborn mule, right? What you're asking of me is, is, is for you to remain a stupid, stubborn mule, for me to slap on the reins and control you, and he's saying I'm not gonna do that. Right? I want you to learn to love my will. I want you to choose to stay near me because you know it's what's best. I want you to know that everything I ask of you is truly what is best for you. I will not strip you of your free will. And so I've been on this quest for a while now to, to no longer be stubborn. Stop being stupid. Stop being stubborn. Right? And I'll tell you, I'm still stubborn. I'm, I'm maybe not the same old mule that I always have been, but I'm still a mule. Um, I, I still struggle um, every day at times to, to walk down God's path. I'm constantly paving my own path. I'm constantly straying away from him, constantly forgetting that his will is truly what's best for me. And honestly, I don't know why, and I don't know how. I always forget that his way is truly the best way for me and for all of us, but I do. It really blows my mind. But I will tell you this, that after that conversation that I had with God, where he spoke to me very clearly, I began reading Psalm 32 every day. And this is a practice I would encourage you to do um, with any psalm, but especially Psalm 32 if you're struggling with being stubborn. I began reading Psalm 32 every day, every morning during my devotional time. Um, I'd read it one, two, three, four times, and I'd reflect on it. Um, And slowly but surely, 
I saw that I started being less and less stubborn. There are some truths that are presented in this psalm. There are some invitations that are presented in this psalm that just remind us of how truly awesome it is to come clean to God, to be open to God, to go down God's paths and trust in him. So, Psalm 32, in its entirety, has been one of the greatest tools in combating my own stubbornness, and I want to share with you today um, the particular spots of the psalm where that's been the case. We're going to start with verses 1 and 2. Blessed is the one whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man against whom the Lord counts no iniquity, and in whose spirit there is no deceit. Now, anytime we, we read the word blessed in Scripture, what do you think of? Um, some translations will, will uh, change that word with happy or joyful. And there's truth to that, all right? There's truth. To that. But I think the, more, the, the deeper truth behind the word blessed is that our situation in life is truly a blessed situation. We are better off. Well off are those whose transgressions is forgiven. More fortunate are those, and therefore we ought to be happy. So what I'm saying is anytime we read the word blessed in Scripture, we're called to do two things. Um, One is to ask, do we fit this description? Do I fit this description of being blessed? And then two, do I really uh, feel happy, joyful, thankful that I'm in this? Do I really feel blessed? So let me give you an example. Are my sins forgiven? Right? It says, blessed is the one whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered, against whom the Lord counts no iniquity. Are my sins forgiven? Do I fit that description? Now here's something very important that I want to say this morning. And I fall into this category sometimes too. But we cannot flippantly say, Yep, my sins are forgiven. We cannot. We cannot make the assumption that our sins are forgiven without a deep reflection on the gospel and all that it calls of us. We should certainly have confidence that our sins are forgiven. We should certainly have confidence in this truth. But what I'm saying is I think too often... Our confidence that our sins are forgiven is not because Jesus died and rose from the grave that he paid for our sins. It is because our sins really aren't all that bad. Does that make sense? I think too often our confidence in being forgiven comes from the sense that we're really not too bad of people. We're decent. We're moral. Rather than the blood of Jesus Christ. And I got to say this, you guys have probably heard me say this a dozen times in the last year. God does not want us to just be decent, moral human beings. Jesus Christ did not give his life on the cross in order for us to be just decent, moral human beings. God has so much more planned for us and it entails a relationship with him it entails unity with him and his will which is so much deeper than just being a decent and good person right it entails unity with each other read the prayer that jesus prays in john 17 and just see what he's talking about this stuff is everywhere and when we really get real about the way that we're living we cannot say i have not sinned Let no one say, I have not sinned, right? 
Because even just these little things, like the littlest things, you know, like I, I watched too much TV last week, or I, I, you know, drank too much coffee the other morning, you know, and I wasn't able, or, or I, I ate a little too much food, or, or I, didn't, I didn't pray yesterday, or I didn't spend enough time in, in prayer or scripture, or, or I didn't, you know, I mean, just, I could go on and on, and these things, they seem little, not that big of a deal by themselves, but we live lives where these things, all these little things add up. They add up, and, and the result is, is a significant portion of our lives where we are straying away from God, sticking to our own stubborn ways. Guys, this is, this is sin. We begin to understand and acknowledge the, the reality, the severity of, of, of our sin in general. Then, here's the amazing part. Right? It's not to heap a burden on us. It's only then that we can truly understand God's love. That we can truly understand how amazing his forgiveness is when we are true to ourselves and to him and each other about where we fall short. It's only then we see what we've really been freed from. And this is one step to being less stubborn. Second question well, the second statement is this, blessed is the one in whose spirit there is no deceit. Blessed is the one who isn't lying to themselves, who isn't deceiving themselves. And so, again, do I fit that description, right? Do I fit that description? I, I, every morning I'd sit down, and this really, this was the main verse that I would reflect on. And I'd ask myself before God, am I being honest with myself? Am I being honest with you, God? Am I being, like, truly open? When I say I want to follow you today, do I really mean that? Or are there some things that are off limits? You know what I mean? Like, are there some things, God, maybe that, that we just can't talk about? And I've known this for a while, and I don't even want to bring it up to myself because I know when I do, I'm going to have to deal with it. You know what I'm talking about? You guys know what I'm talking about, right? Man, I'm speaking from experience here because every single morning, the answer to this question, am I being honest with myself, was initially no. Every morning. It's like every day I wake up and I have, there's, there's at least a small part of me that just wants to, to stray away from God. Because being near him requires something of me. It requires me, me to die to just something in my life usually, Right? God was revealing to me how just ignorant and stubborn I really am. And it's, it's so hard sometimes to trust that opening up to him, right, that really staying near to him no matter what, by, by putting everything on the table, it's really hard to trust that that's truly best for us. Is it not? I mean, that's a scary thing to do. But David, this, the writer of this psalm, King David, wants us to know this. When I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. This is verse 3. Verse 4. For day and night, God, your hand was heavy upon me. My strength was dried up like in the summer heat. But I acknowledged my sin to you. I did not cover my iniquity. Right? He's saying I brought things to the light, everything. I said... I will confess my transgressions to the Lord, and you forgave the iniquity of my sin. Verses 3 and 4 in particular 
reminded me of how awful it is to be weighed down by our sin. And sometimes we're not even aware of it. Like we've been in a certain mode for so long that we don't even know. Like we've just gotten used to being in this state of being kind of weighed down, of being far from God, of being um, sapped of our own strength. You can, <laughs> um, and we just, we call that life. We just get used to it. But, but if you've ever just just recently kind of been converted back to God, if you've ever just recently um, been in God's presence, then you know what it's like to lose that. You know what it's like to be sapped of your strength, to be burdened by guilt. Have you ever just felt, you, you feel so guilty that you can hardly think or talk? I, I remember um, I was in the seventh grade. My brother found out I'd been doing something that was just, it was, you know, it was embarrassing and it was, it, was, it was shameful and it was whatever. And he warned me once and said, I won't tell mom this time. Well, I did it again. He found out. And I remember him standing in my door, doorway of my bedroom. I, I remember this like it was yesterday. And he said, Jake, I'm not going to tell mom, but you have to tell her and I'll give you two weeks. And I remember the feeling of being like, oh, crap. This is like, and, but you can bet, you can bet your life I took every bit of that two weeks. I waited until the very last day of that two weeks to confess to my mom what I had done. And in fact, I, I waited until she was driving me to school that day. She was dropping me off. And I waited until the very end of that drive. So right after I told her, I could jet out of the car, not realizing that that was so much worse because then she didn't have time to give me the sentence, right? The punish, and, and I spent all day wondering, like, like it, it was just unresolved. What's going to happen to me now? And, and the point being, is that two weeks? And then that day at school was literally the worst two weeks of my life. And I, that is not an exaggeration. I cannot think of any week or two weeks or days or whatever, a series of days that has ever been that horrible in my whole life because I was just delaying the inevitable, right? I, I was delaying, in a sense, any chance of redemption. I was just delaying this, this horrible experience of, of coming clean. Um, and I, could, I wasn't eating right. This sounds ridiculous, right? But I mean, it was like I wasn't eating much. I wasn't uh, able to like, be present with the people that I was with. Now, I know some of you have probably been there, too, and I've been there in adulthood in different ways, not to that degree. The point being is that what I learned through this experience is that one of the cruelest things we can do to ourselves is to delay confession, is to delay coming clean. And another one of the cruelest things we can do to ourselves is to come clean and then jet and not, not let the person who's kind of in charge of our sentencing give give their say, right? And we do that with God. It's like we just, we just confess and then we don't let him say like, and then what? You know, or here's what I ask of you. Or, you know, or even just here you're forgiven. And so, so it's just unresolved. And, and we too often live in this, this unresolved state. But David is saying, don't. Because when, when, you, when you come to God just as you are, when you come clean, he is faithful and just to forgive you your sins. This is the means by which we stay near to him. This is the primary means by which we stay near to him. This is the incredible power of the gospel, is it not? It's the idea that, that, that sin, think of Adam and Eve in the garden, right? They sinned, what did they do? They ran and they hid from God in shame. The truth of the gospel is that when we sin, we don't run from God. We don't hide from God in shame. We run to him. 
And with confidence in Jesus Christ, we stand near to his throne of grace with confidence and we say, Lord, forgive me, and we know that we are forgiven. I mean, that is, that is power when you live that out. That is power. Is that we need not run or hide from God. So don't be stupid. Don't be stubborn, I hear David saying. It's through the daily practice, the daily practice, the hourly practice of acknowledging our sins to God and remembering the gospel of Jesus, that our stubbornness is transformed into willingness and that we come to believe in our whole being that God's will is truly what's best for us. Okay. Now lastly, I'm almost done here, we need to talk about community. Um... There's one more means, primary means by which I've experienced, many of us in here have experienced, by which we stay near to God, and it's community. Um, my wife and I talked a while back about how, you know, we've experienced a lot of really true, deep Christian community, and um, some of it not so true or deep, and, but, but some of it really good. And we've just said, you know what, the only way we could fall away from God really fall away from God is if we fell away from that community. And another way of putting that, maybe an even more uh, important way, is that like our, our, the vast majority of our spiritual growth in the faith has come from being in true Christian community with others who have been pouring into us and us into them. And I'm not just talking about having Christian friends. Not just talking about having friends who are Christians. Again, this is something else I say all the time too. I'm talking about Christ-centered friendships. I'm talking about community, even if it's just one or two people who you meet with regularly and intentionally to have conversations that are centered around God, that are centered around spiritual, eternal things, where, where you, you push each other, you encourage one another, you pray for one another, you show each other the kind of love that Jesus showed us, which is not only full of grace, not only full of truth, but it is perfectly rounded out with grace and truth. You come to know God through the people that you pursue him with. And I'm telling you, your discipleship is not only incomplete, it is impossible apart from this kind of community. There are multiple ways to find that kind of community here at Schweitzer. Today I want to lift up one. We have two kinds of small groups. Uh, one is called a uh, covenant discipleship group. The other is called a band. Not like band like this, but like band of brothers, band of sisters, right? Um, next weekend, July 15th, Sunday at 12.15 in Memorial Hall. It's right after the, the last service. There's going to be lunch. And there's going to be child care. And I'm going to talk about bands. I'm going to teach um, and, and tell you, and it's going to be a very informal gathering, free food, free child care, like I said. And we're just going to talk about what this kind of community might look like, and I want you to come and just learn. You don't have to commit anything or whatever. Just come and, and learn more about bands. And what happens in bands is, is absolutely incredible. Guys, um, I'll give you just a preview. It's, it's a group of three to five people of the same gender who meet regularly. And, and two of the primary things they do is they confess their sins to one another, and they pray for each other that they might be healed. And you think, like, whoa, I don't want to confess my sins to people, you know? And, and I'm telling you, 
please take it from, from me and for many, many others who have experienced this kind of community. There is hardly anything that is more amazing or transformative than that experience. And part of the reason is that we begin to, to see how forgiving God really is when we see it in the eyes of the people that we're confessing to, right? You've heard of the Great Commission. I say, you know, where Jesus says, go and make disciples, and that's in Matthew 28. Um, there's, a, there's this verse in John 20, though, that I call the other Great Commission, and it's where Jesus stands in front of his disciples, and he said, if you forgive people, then they'll be forgiven. If you withhold forgiveness, then they're not forgiven. He gives them the ministry of forgiveness. This is an incredible ministry of the church that we get to offer one another. And, and when you talk to people who've been in bands, one of the things they find out is how awesome this ministry truly is so that we begin to know the love, the forgiveness, the grace, the truth of Jesus Christ himself. So anyway, come next Sunday at 12.15 if you want to learn more about that. There will be people there in bands too to answer some of your questions and talk about their experience. Um, and if you want to, uh, the offering baskets are going to come around after the service. Okay, here in just a minute. The offering baskets will come around. And you, if you check box number three, on your connection card. We'd like to know that you're there so we can plan for food. Check box number three, give us your name, let us know if you need childcare, write a note or something. Um, that's all you gotta do, okay? Um, as those offering baskets come around too, you can give like you usually do. This may be a great response if you're stubborn with your money. Man, don't be an ass. God said it, I mean, uh, really. Man, just let's, let's give God a chance to show us how truly amazing his will is for us, all right? Oh, and uh, you can text to give. That phone number is on the screen. It's also at the bottom of the first page of your bulletin. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, um, thank you for this. It's, like it's a challenging word, and then it, but it's also an incredibly joyful, awesome word um, that if we can just, just get over our, our, ourselves, if we can just have faith and just trust <laughs> that your will is best for us, then we can just come clean. And that you are faithful and just to forgive us. Oh, man, what good news. Pray that you give us the courage today to do that right here with you in worship, just honestly. And as we confess, as we come clean, to just be open to however you want us to take the next step. Knowing that you don't, man, you don't heap burdens on us. <laughs> you take burdens off of us. You free us. You bless us. Your steadfast love, your enduring love surrounds us when we trust in you. So teach us, counsel us, guide us, lead us. <laughs> Forgive us for our stubbornness, and we just today, we submit to you. We love you. We want you, and we need you, God. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.